This is coming out a week later, but what you may not know is that we just recorded our Chris Gaines episode five minutes ago, and in the meantime watched his music video, hmm. which was really shitty, <laughs> and not rock music at all. He didn't even try. So I'm assuming I've posted that by now in the Facebook group if you want to watch it and also hate on it. I don't know why he did this. Like <laughs> That was the song that, that was, was the, number one? Yeah. Or that went gold or charts, whatever. Yeah. That song was so bad. Yeah, watch, uh, listen to the rest of the album. I mean, I kind of want to click through the rest of the album and see if any of it even sounds like rock music. But right. like, what the fuck are they talking about? Just, I mean, why does he look like that? <laughs> That was he popular was in a at the car time. crash. He's got to cover up his scars. Oh, is that why his hair was so long? <laughs> yeah. He didn't look like he had any scars in these pictures, but so he had the eyeliner on too. Yes, cover up his eye scars. <laughs> Anyways, that was really bad. Um, but you can tell in his voice that it's Garth Brooks. I mean, he has a good voice. That was just like, what the fuck? I thought it would be a rock song. I, I've not heard enough of his stuff to be able to identify him by his voice. But does he sing like that in his country songs? No. And that no. such a high register? Not, no. no. I didn't think he's so. He's got a low voice yeah. normally. But he's got <laughs> he's a really... also got friends in low places. Right. That, so I've no, heard that song. That's why. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the song that I'm imagining mm-hmm. him singing. No, he's got a really low voice, but mm-hmm. he's got some interesting... Um, he's got some range. He definitely has range. He's got some interesting like control of his voice. Yeah. Uh, he does like, like these weird, yeah. He does like all these weird things with it that I can't really describe. But oh, like in his regular music, yeah, like oh, okay. weird little uh, tendencies or characteristics to his voice where he'll like go. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. You just have to yodel. Listen to I, I think I know. Yodely. He's got a yodely sound to his voice. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, and he was doing definitely doing it in that song that we listened to. That was really shitty, <laughs> but um. It does have a yodel quality. Anyways. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of shit we're going to have to cut out. <laughs> cut. We just listened to more of a Garth Brooks songs. <laughs> I feel like we shouldn't have started recording yet. Because we're just delving down <laughs> into not. his discography. He's got some really good songs. He had his greatest hits and it was like a double album. Let's go back to talking about Frank Sinatra. Let's do it again because we've been doing it. Long for a long time already. Is this the Patreon? (laughs) No, this is um, we talked about in our maybe it was our first part of Frank Sinatra. No, it's the last part. I don't remember. It was part two. Oh yeah, we mentioned his FBI files and how they had recently been like declassified, and there's plenty of information. So this happened not too long ago, and yeah, the FBI documented his moves for 40 years and then they declassified those papers and so somebody wrote an article about all of the things that we could find in those papers um so here we're gonna talk about it now but first we're gonna listen to three more Garth Brooks no (laughs) (laughs) I'm done with him okay fine um Jake would you like to introduce the show sure Sure beats listening to Garth Brooks. Uh, yes, welcome to Death by Music Podcast, everybody. I am Jake. I'm here with Cassie and Alex for another mini episode. On, I like Garth Brooks. Uh, you know what? I've been listening to so much uh, uh, bluegrass and stuff yeah, like that. You probably don't like regular old fashioned country. Some it's of not the shreddy enough. Some of the no. Some of the classic stuff I kind of like before 
Nashville turned into what it is. You don't like 90s country. I do not like night. That's what it is. Okay. Because it's I, definitely I, distinct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't like pop country. You just country. hate Shania Twain. That's not pop country. <laughs> Neither is Shania Twain. Not until she did the uh, pop I don't know. crossover that, that's album. All, that, that's all <laughs> popular country to me. So Yeah, I think he Garth Brooks has a pop sound to his voice. Or it's the the music part, not his voice. His voice is the country aspect. The music surrounding it is the pop aspect. I don't oh, know. They He's do got that, the country uh, sounding instruments. They got the lap guitars too. I think they're called. Yeah, whatever the ones that, that sit flat, and they they do the same scale. thing with the slides on them. Yeah, yeah, whatever the twangy stuff is. So, like but that. the thing is, a lot of the music sounds fine until they start singing, and it's just like, <laughs> fuck off, you just, know. Jake only wants to listen to Garth Brooks instrumentals. I mean, I, I might be okay with that, honestly. Garth- <laughs> it's not two of them. It's not plural. <laughs> Well, this is weird. This is like a rare time that I'm a fan of something and you guys both hate it. (laughs) I don't hate it. I just would rather listen to other things. I had to cut out a lot of my hatred from Frank Sinatra part one because I don't know. I was in a weird mood that day and we started and I was like, fuck this. Fuck that. This is bullshit. Blah, blah, blah. And you guys (laughs) were both like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I was like, I don't know, but I hate everybody. (laughs) And I cut out like five solid minutes of hatred because I I listened back to it and I was like, oh my God, I sound like such a dick. (laughs) I was like, I'm not even that mad. Like, what the fuck? You sound it. It's better to just let you keep talking through it than to argue with you because you're not going to be persuaded either way. You're very opinionated. Okay. Well, that's true. (laughs) Thanks for letting me be me. Mm -hmm. No problem. Uh, Do you want to read this? Okay. Okay. Because if not... (laughs) Jake will? (laughs) No. So this is Frank Sinatra's Mob Ties and Other Secrets from his FBI File uh, by Aaron Blakemore from History.com. Um, Frank Sinatra was many things, a crooner who could make Bobby Soxers faint, an Academy Award winning actor, the elder statesman of the Rat Pack. At the height of his career, it was rumored that every woman wants to have him, every man wants to be him, but his fans and detractors weren't the only people who wanted a piece of old blue eyes. (laughs) I know you hate that nickname. (laughs) So did the FBI. Um, The Federal Bureau of Investigation, aka the FBI. (laughs) 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 They tracked Sinatra for over 40 years, amassing a dossier of of thousands of pages about his movements, words, and friendships. The files, which were made public after Sinatra's death in 1998, cover Sinatra throughout his tempestuous career. Sinatra rose to fame during the 1940s and soon attracted the attention of the FBI for claims that he'd paid a doctor, or yeah, he paid a doctor $40,000 to declare him medically unfit for World War II service. Oh, I, sorry, pause. I did look it up because in that episode, I said you could just say you were gay or something and that Iggy Pop took his dick out. Uh-huh. And I looked it up, and the clearest account of that story that I could find was that Iggy Pop, um, they were doing, like, the medical examination, and so you were supposed to get naked, but then he just started jerking off, like, while the doctor was examining him, and they were like, um, get the fuck out of here, and so he was dismissed. So that was what I saw as the official story. (laughs) I don't know if that would work now. Probably not. Maybe. (laughs) I mean, somebody try it. Let us know. The FBI dismissed the allegations, calling his exemption for a punctured eardrum and psychological issues legitimate, 
Rumors that he'd dodged the draft persisted throughout his lifetime and even hurt his career in the 1940s. His excuse for not serving may have been watertight, but Sinatra's ties to known mafia members and a revolving cast of characters connected to the underworld what? weren't as squeaky as clean. Okay, <laughs> Sinatra's FBI file reads like a guide to the era's organized crime figures. Though Sinatra always denied he was connected to the mob, he did interact with famous mafia figures like Chicago mob boss Sam Giancarlo. Kana, mm-hmm. who, oh, thank you, uh, with whom he was close friends. Sinatra supposedly introduced Giancana to John F. Kennedy's campaign in 1960 in an attempt to deliver union votes to the future president. According to Sinatra's daughter, Tina, he played, oh, that's the one that wasn't named after His him. His least or, favorite. Yeah. That's the one yeah. that wasn't named Frank. <laughs> His third kid that barely got a name. Um, he played a gig at Giancana's Chicago Club to repay the favor. Sinatra also introduced Kennedy to Judith Campbell Exner, Gianca's, Giancana's girlfriend, during the years-long affair that followed. <gasps> Ooh. What? Between Kennedy and Judith? During the years-long affair that followed, Exner allegedly acted as a liaison between Kennedy and Giancana, helping in a plot for the mob to assassinate Fidel Castro. It never did, but Exner later testified before a Senate committee investigating JFK's potential mob ties. Sinatra had other mafioso friends, many of whom can be found in his FBI files, which contain headings like associations with criminals and hoodlums (laughs) and accusations of being a dope racketeer. There are accounts of gifts from Joseph and Charles Fischetti, brothers with the Chicago outfit who ran illegal gambling operations. He would have friends that does. Yeah. yeah, Because he was a gambler. Right. Um, There's a Godfather style appearance at an Atlantic City club as a favor for attendees of the wedding of the daughter of the Philadelphia mobster (laughs) Angelo Bruno. Wow. Do you know him? No, that was just a rough sentence. It's a lot of I was of reading along with you. I was like, holy shit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's even documentation of the mob exerting pressure on Sinatra's behalf to release him from a contract. Oh in yeah, we talked about that. Where they mm-hmm. like held a gun to the Tommy, Tommy Dorsey's head. Yes. FBI agents also watched Sinatra carouse with Detroit mobsters, Anthony and Vito Gia Cologne. Yeah, that sounds Close right. Close enough. Uh quote, it was like Clock almost said clockwork. <laughs> oh my god. It was like clockwork, retired FBI agent Sam Rufino tells author Scott M. Bernstein. Uh, quote, a few times a year we'd trail the Gian Colognes to the airport to pick up Sinatra. They'd spend the weekend together socializing before and after his shows. Almost every night they'd shut the place down. And he didn't make any apologies for it. These were his friends. The fact that they were known hoodlums and murderers didn't matter to him. He didn't care. He was going to hang around with who he wanted to hang around with. Sinatra flaunted his friendships with the people connected to organized crime and took plenty of public photographs with known mobsters. His gangster friends shared his passions, gambling, women, and money, and they often met in casinos and nightclubs. Sinatra, however, offered to snitch on some of the criminals he hung around. Uh Um, In 1950, he sent an associate to J. Edgar Hoover to offer Sinatra services as an informant, perhaps in an attempt to protect himself from swirling rumors that he was involved with the mob. The FBI declined. What? One of Hoover's aides wrote, we want nothing to do with him on the report of the meeting. What? He's like offering to tell them information and they said no. Or maybe they just didn't want to work with him because they wanted him to go away too. Mm-hmm. That's weird. 
Or like, maybe they didn't believe him. Or maybe they were scared that he was lying and that if they started trying to get information on these mobsters, then they would come in and kill them. Oh, like that he was going back to the mobsters being like yeah and then he said like this. he was he was the mob's mole yeah maybe he's mm. yeah being mm. like a double agent but it's weird that they wouldn't want to know what these guys are up to i mean they were trailing sinatra they knew kind of what he had going on but so he was never uh, sinatra was never prosecuted for criminal behavior in connection to his mob ties he was never brought before the house an american activities commission either but the fbi had him in sights for what they consider to be suspicious activity with possible ties to communism the fbi file is filled with accounts of sinatra's supposedly suspicious activities from his support of anti-racist initiative that's very suspicious that makes you a communist because you're anti-racist then <laughs> call me a communist oh my god i'm calling the president <laughs> so yeah so he because he was anti-racist um to his defense of people being accused of being communist that's real suspicious because they're all they're my friends and they're also not racist oh my gosh in addition to appearing on behalf of many liberal causes, Sinatra was one of the founding members of the Committee for the First Amendment, a group that supported the so-called Hollywood Ten, screenwriters and directors who were blacklisted after refusing to divulge which members were members of the Communist Party. I, that's kind of, you're allowed to believe what you want. Yeah, you, there's a freedom to associate and shit, They don't, but it's kind of messed up i think to make them publicly state if they are if they believe a certain thing or not like if you're a member of this party or not when people could discriminate against you for that belief yeah exactly so like why make them publicly state it like you shouldn't have to publicly tell anyone what your political affiliation is yeah yeah you don't you don't have to say anything to anybody about anything yeah, but Honestly, shit got kind of fucked up during the Red Scare. I mean, they were like, well, yeah, the government like, was on their witch hunt and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So basically, every reason why he was uh, on the FBI's watch list today would be a reason why he like wouldn't be on a watch list today. <laughs> Did that make sense? Yeah. Like why he was on the watch list then? Like they're all like he didn't actually. Sounds to me like he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, he was right. just hanging out with people that might have been he was doing hanging wrong out things? with criminals. Like who cares? Everybody hangs out with criminals. You guys I, don't I, break laws? I mean, I hang out with you, so. I am criminal. a criminal. <laughs> I am a criminal. Um, quote, Sinatra's FBI dossier revol revolves, reveals a dismaying situation, writes historian Gerald Meyer. At no time does it contain anything that even hits, hints at an activity disallowed by the Bill of Rights. That's what I'm saying. Why do they waste so much time on him? <laughs> Meyer, who documented Sinatra's support of progressive causes and his public confrontation of things like racism in the McCarthy-era Red Scare, sees the FBI files as evidence of a government perceived Sinatra, perceiving Sinatra as a threat, which, yeah, I mean, and they were taking people out like that. Yeah. Anybody mm -hmm. that they were like, mm, this guy's trying to shake things up. Let's meh, get him out of here. The FBI profile didn't always focus on the singer himself. Since Sinatra was such a high profile star, he was regularly targeted by people who wanted to extort or blackmail him. In 1963, these seemingly random attacks became all too personal when three men kidnapped Sinatra's son, which we went oh, over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Frank Sinatra Jr., the one he liked. The FBI told Sinatra to wait for a ransom demand, then pay it so that the Bureau could track down the money and the kidnappers. Frank Sinatra Jr. was freed when the kidnappers became cagey about their crime, and the FBI soon caught the abductors. All three were convicted. 
And Sinatra knew the government was tracking his activities. In 1979 and 1980, he requested and received his FBI file through the Freedom of Information Act. His FBI file never ended up getting him in trouble, but it reflects the power and influence of the charismatic singer. Though it's full of references to his shady dealings and thuggish, thuggish, thuggish <laughs> friends, it also shows him speaking out against racism on behalf of democracy. Even Sinatra's professional triumphs were enough to get him reported to the FBI. The FBI file begins not with an account of his mob ties, but with a letter that complains about the shrill whistling sound produced by Sinatra's fans. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it's noise pollution, and we hate it. <laughs> Uh, quote, how easy it would be for a certain minded manufacturer to create another Hitler here in America through the influence of mass hysteria, wrote the anonymous informer. Quote, they intend to get a Hitler in by first planting the minds of people that men like Frank Sinatra are okay. What? He didn't do anything. <laughs> Sinatra, it seemed, could attract attention of conspiracy theorists and Bobby Soxers with the same crooning voice through his career. FBI agents listened to him as intently as his closest fans. Weird. Odd. I really expected there to be um, like, more like damning information. Yeah. No, they were just paranoid. I mean, I'm not saying he was like the greatest guy because he won't, you know, he was he was definitely aggressive. But like they didn't mention anything that might actually be a crime. Whereas like he actually did kind of probably commit crimes like assault shit like that because he was always throwing shit and getting in fights and stuff like having people beat his friends up they never mentioned how he had the mob guys beat up buddy rich that that's a crime yeah but not against the the u.s government yeah being friends with mobsters doesn't really guilty by association that's basically it (laughs) i don't know and i'm I'm, just people being paranoid starting to think the mobsters really weren't so bad you know they were the ones bringing booze in that's pretty cool that's like for the people type Eh, just the people they were killing they were that was for the people because they were getting money for it so yeah well i mean they <laughs> that were, was their only concern was they getting were the money. like pushing the unions and stuff and they were making sure everybody was drunk i mean they seem like pretty cool guys so i would be friends with them too and they beat people up for you like <laughs> honestly they sound but then you right. owe them one and yeah, what you, you don't want to owe them stuff that's, okay, the, that's, that's the problem true. frank sinatra had enough money it probably didn't matter yeah but he was gambling it all away so well. That's interesting. That's not how I expected this episode to go. Truly. Sorry? It's really, it's your fault. I didn't write the article. <laughs> I just read it. Um, yeah. Th- thank you guys for listening to that. Make sure if you haven't listened to our parts one and two of Frank Sinatra, you go and do that. Coming up next on the main feed, we are going to have Sister Rosetta Tharp, which should be pretty interesting. Tharp. Tharp. So <laughs> tune in, buy t-shirts, send us emails, deathbypodcastteam at gmail.com. You can also uh, just write us shit on our, what is it? Our little Facebook group. Yeah. Death by Music Podcast fans. Thank you and rest in peace. All right. Oh my God, I'm still wearing headphones. (laughs) That's what you did to us with the Garth Brooks song. It was loud as hell. Sorry. (laughs) Later. Death by Music podcast is written and produced by Victoria Motler, Alex Motler, Cassie Gardner, and Jake.